of heartbreak Trying to get myself ashore For so long For so long Listening to the strangest stories Wondering where it all went wrong For so long For so long But hold on, hold on, hold on To what you got So hold on, hold on, hold on To what you got Welcome to Thursday's Dan episode 2.4 and it's me Gary Payne of course, it's that prof, Carol Riley. We're back on the Zooms, Gary. Unfortunately. Zooms. We are Zooming, prof, I'm dying here. I'm bleeding dying. It's actually, I think that yesterday, yesterday was the worst, but um, I think that fine Luke and air, that upper class airs helped me <laughs> out here. Once again, Gary, I was ahead of the curve, I got it before you. Yeah, I know. It's brutal, isn't it? Um, so, so but it's back, Zooms, it's back anybody with a uh, I may or may not be wearing pants. You'll never know. Yeah, I'm going to go with the not. <laughs> Say nothing. Prof has actually got a beard now. I actually like the beard, Prof. I'm feeling it. Uh, we're, we're not here to talk about beards, right? Especially with your quiff taking up three quarters of that screen. A lot of hair on this Zoom call today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... Of course, this week is all about photographer and Rovers legend Bobby Best, who sadly passed away on Saturday morning. A legendary hoop. Um, there's an exclusive 45-minute interview done with Bobby a few years ago. Never heard before. Prof was working his magic with the with the, the documentary, and he is very, very um, generously obliged to give you a sneak peek for a Rovers legend. And um, that's after we talk Talca, of course. But just, I think... We'll probably get our, our little anecdotes about Bobby Best out of the way. Um, Bobby was one of those guys that you, when I first started going to Rovers, he was top tier Rovers fans. You'd always know, like there was always Rovers fans who you'd be in a group and you'd look over and you'd be like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind chatting to them. You know, they're kind of like, there's like a hierarchy. There's like Royal, Rovers royalty. I don't like the whole royalty. So, like, I don't like using that comparison, but I think it's apt here. He would have been Rovers royalty where he you just kind of looked up to him. And if you talked to him and had conversations, you'd be like, oh, now I'm, I'm part of the kind of clique. I, I now know Bobby. And now I could be accepted by other Rovers fans because I'm seeing talking to him. You know, you had that kind of aura about him. And he was ever present everywhere he went. He's just Rovers mad. And I think there's a certain type of fan. He's up there with the big decks. And those legendary fans that you those, just... Those um, larger-than-life characters who... They're not just legendary fans. You actually associate them with Rovers. That's literally it. Everything... Oh yeah, When you think of Rovers, you think of like Bobby Best and the photographer and stuff like that. I think, as well, the t- these type of guys who should be like immortalised in silver and gold, plaques on walls, These that's the type of individual we're talking about. Mm. But... um. We will talk more on Bobby, of course, when we have this fantastic interview in a while about Prophet's Talca. 
we have a quiz showdown between Graham Burke and Sean Hoare. So Burke yeah. and Sean Hoare, battle of the brains. <laughs> Gary has some opinions on uh, Berkey, which you'll hear later. <laughs> but a um, bit of a shorter show this week. Well, I'm sure I'm sure when you look at the run length, it probably won't look like a short show. But we're basically just we're just going to talk Talga and the quiz. And we have Bobby because there won't be a game next week. And we're still going to do a show. But we'll have no game to review. So we're just going to just going to have more general chat maybe next week. But. Because we didn't actually plan to do a show this week, it was just because of Bobby. I thought, no, we do, we do have to. And the clip that we put out on Twitter, where he talks about the yellow jersey, because that was uh, James Cook's house. We recorded that in, and Bobby just showed up on set with that yellow jersey, and he couldn't wait to tell me about it. And I was like, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. just uh, I'll ask you about it at the end of the interview. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about this jersey. He wore a jacket the whole interview. I actually forgot that. And then I said, or can you take off the jacket and show the jersey and talk about what it is? And of course, it was a brilliant story. People loved on Twitter. And he was right about Rapid Vienna, 1964, I think. He did wear yellow. He also wore yellow against Celtic in 1986. Um, obviously, people close to Bobby, the likes of Brendan Dawson, Giggsy Hands, Mark Turner. And Giggsy sent a picture from his house. And he has some collection, an unbelievable collection. And one of the oh, things on the wall, of course, made me smile was the cover of Tata Time. So you just see it framed, the front and the back. And I believe Bobby was quite proud to be on the front of Tata Time, which, which is amazing for me. Possibly and his favourite photo, I think I heard someone say. I think so, yeah. The the Gary Twig celebrating full-time Bill Grade and the, the photo was tilted. It was an obvious choice to pick as the cover. And I remember he spoke about it in the Tifty's Hotline, if you remember last year, the photographer hotline. And just a note on Giggsy, we have, we have some little quotes here from fans. And Giggsy Hans says, he used to drag us in as apprentices through every away ground in the league at the player entrances. Experiences that, thought, that, that he's given to any fans that he's brought to games. Like, they're, they're never going to forget that. And it's the same that, like, it's the same situation with a lot of other fans. They're, that's their formative years at Rovers, and that's why Bobby's yeah. obviously going to be. A, he's going. They're going to remember him very fondly forever. But like I said, he was a very, very important cog in the wheel of of Shamrock Rovers. But probably, like we said, we'll talk about him again. And um, I, I'll have to own up to a major boo boo myself. I was speaking to a friend of mine. We actually do have friends at other clubs, probably, believe it or not. Talking to a Pat's friend of mine. And I said to him, he's, fr- he's friends with Pat Tutti, you know, a listener of the show. I said, Pat, sorry, I said, are you going to the christening on Sunday, which is, is Pat's Pat's baby's christening? And he says, Gar, some of us are busy on Sundays. I just said, oh, Pat's are playing the cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. the, best one, the best one sentence response ever. I just, I was, okay. He got you there. Um, he That's why me. I was, I refused to use the word break for this week. We don't have a game on Friday, not because we have a break. This should be called the gap week of failure. The gap week of failure. We have no that game this week good. because we are unable to win doubles. That's why we have mm. no game this week. Fucking hell. Um, right, yeah, so Emma Wheatley, quote, 
I remember getting a lift back across the M50 once or twice with Bobby. I'm sure you and Butler were in the car too, Giggsy. This was early days in Tyler when the toll booths were still in place and he used to tailgate the car in front as it came to the toll barrier when the driver in front threw the money in. And the barrier raised. Bobby would put the foot down and race under the barrier at breakneck speed. I'd be shitting myself and the lads would all be laughing. <laughs> Brilliant story. Brilliant stuff about Bobby. He said, Adam in the LMS group, I hope you don't mind me sharing the story. I was only telling my daughter yesterday about when we played in Santry and I'd get the bus from Rafarnham for the matches when they used to be played on Sundays. She's only used to a 10-minute drive from the house to Tallis, so she was shocked when I told her it would be an hour and a half to get to 16-8 of the game and then watch it. It'd be an hour and a half home as well. I said it to my mum and she remembered two things from those days. Who our manager was, Rico, and the photographer, Bobby Best. So we remember Bobby mainly as we'd hang around after the game and buses weren't that frequent on Sundays in 99-2000, looking to meet the team. Bobby seen me after the match and grabbed me by the wrist and brought me under the main stand in Martin Stadium where the, dress, where the change rooms were. He sees Shane Robinson and calls him over to me for a picture and then into the dressing room where I met for autographs from the likes of Robbo, Terry Palmer, Billy Woods and Mark Kenny. As a 15-year-old, it was amazing for me to meet these players, but it would never have happened without Bobby Best. He made my first days following Rovers very welcome, and it was never, ever forgotten. So condolences to the best family, Giggsy, Bren, and all those close for Bobby. So that type of story is exactly what we spoke about with Bren and Giggsy yeah. and Turner, who their formative years would have been under uh, with Bobby and travelling all around the country. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely love that story. story. And then just here's one from a player's perspective. This came out of the blue from uh, Craig Sivers. And it was, it was like, hi, Carl. My dad just informed me um, on uh, George Kelly's social media about Bobby's passing. He says, can you pass on my heartfelt sympathies to Bobby's family? He's a lovely man who was greatly respected within the changing room during my time at the club. He was the, he was the one who took the picture I have on my WhatsApp. That's him celebrating in Belgrade. And he says, I'm glad you got the chance to personally witness Belgrade along with the, all, all the other brilliant memories or moments we had during those initial years in Tata. So that was nice from Craig. Absolutely, yeah. And there's plenty more we could be here for a long, long time reading out all of the tributes that are pouring in. Um, Yeah, so Prop Tifty's hotline last week. Um, a couple of newbies, like we said, very, very eager and anxious, not anxious, very eager to get these guys involved, and get them more integrated into the club, all these new members. It was a good mix. It was um, some of them went to Iceland's without Budapest. Some of them went to boats. We had some younger fans, like you said. We had some the older generation, like uh, Jim Conroy, who were, who could talk about Budapest back in '85. Not uh, Jim stole the show, didn't he? Uh, like he always steals the show in fairness to him. But like I said, I I think Ryan and his mom Tracy was my favorite part, and the fact that I met them outside. At the bus stop after Talca Park on uh, Friday was probably the oh, highlight no of the night for me because <laughs> because of the results after the kick in the bollocks of the last minute goal. So I thought that was nice to meet them, and I told them the that they were, I told them they were brilliant on the hotline. Um, yeah. Remember, one of the questions was, uh, "Have you ever been on TV?" Uh, there was, there was a, I think most weren't, but there, there was a couple of funny answers. Turner, have we got that footage yet? Of what? Have we got the footage of Turner on a game show yet? <laughs> no, we're still, we have detectives on the case. 
But just got me thinking, do you remember Gary, me and you like playing football on the road? Remember Andy across the road? Yes. And our resident like, you know, goalkeeper. Yeah. This is this is like the nineties now when being on television was it was hard to get on television. There was like two, three Irish channels. There was no YouTube, but there was no fifteen minutes of fame, TikTok. And I remember Andy was in school and he was part of a crest advert. It was a toothpaste. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And so all the kids are promoting Crest and they're saying, oh, yeah, it's great. And, all. and then Andy puts his hands over his eyes and says, look, I can even spit up my eyes closed. C-R-S-T. <laughs> yes, I remember that. That actually oh aired on television. And then, what do you know if his granddad, this would have been around the same time, went on winning streak. And he goes on winning streak, gets all the way to the end. Spins. He tries to spin the wheel. Doesn't have the strength to do it. He might have been maybe eighty or so. Didn't have the strength to do it once. Didn't have the strength to do it twice. Didn't quite spin enough to count as a spin. The host, I don't know who was host back then, uh, helps him spin the wheel. He won a quarter of a million. What? So they're my two television memories from not also, me, but the the family across the road there. Yeah. Family of hoops, believe it or not. They hoops? Yeah. I brought him to the games and Andy used to go to games, yeah? 100%. I know Ian. I know Ian is, yeah. But... Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. And my answer. last note on last week's show was we put it out there, goalkeeper, commentators, and someone said Bob Wilson. It's a good show. I think there was one more. There was another one as well. I couldn't remember it. But um, we are actually speaking about co-coms. And I was, oh God, I can't remember what game it was, but there was a marathon of football on last Saturday. Um, it was noon, morning, noon and night. It was brilliant. There was football highlights on. There was Spanish Super Cup. There was the German Super Cup. There was the first day of the Premier League before it. So I had a free house. All the kids were gone. So lovely. So I sat down and watched the whole game. And someone mentioned, oh, there was a Scottish fella. I wasn't too too sure who it was, but Ali McCoyce. Ali McCoyce is now... One of my favourite co-coms or commentators now. He's oh, very, he's very good. Yeah. No, he's very good. I had no idea. No, I'd never really heard him before. And I always thought, well, the usual bias might creep in here from the lads considering he's Rangers. You know, they might not give him the, the props, but he's excellent. I love him at the World Cup because he's always paired with the same commentator. His name escapes me now, but they're always paired together and they've brilliant com- uh, chemistry. Excellent. No, he always really was. And um, the quiz, bro. So, Graham Burke and it's Sean Hart. Welcome back to Questions from the East End, the podcast quiz. I'm Harry Moore, your quiz master for the last 16, and our next matchup is between Graham Burke and Sean Hoare. So welcome, lads. Thank you. Thank Harry. Um, Graham, I just want to ask you a quick question. So you scored the 500 goal of Stephen Bradley's, under Stephen Bradley. So that's his 500 goal. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's nice. You know, I obviously didn't know. I was always told that. Uh, about after the game, yes. Yeah. So it's uh, obviously nice to uh, get it. So uh, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of goals. Um, but um, yeah, it's nice. Um, it was a good goal too. wasn't It wasn't a bad way to get the Gaffer's five hundred goal, twisting and turning. Um, no, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, it wasn't. It was a nice goal. Yeah, it was twisting and turning then. Lucky enough, I was able to uh, finish it at the end. So, um, yeah, it was an important game for us. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, here's the rules for the quiz. 
The first player to get five correct answers wins and advances into the quarterfinals. I'll take turns asking you questions, switching between football and general knowledge, and you have 20 seconds to respond. If your answer is wrong, then your opponent is allowed to steal. So the prof is here as usual to keep score. If neither Graham nor Sean can reach five points after we've gone through our entire pool with 20 questions, then whoever is ahead at the time is declared the winner. If it's somehow still a draw in the end, I have a question here for you, which will be used as a tiebreaker. It also determines who gets to go first, which could be an advantage, like a coin toss in a penalty shootout. So here's your tiebreaker question. Whoever gets it right, whoever is the closest to the number, goes first. So Graeme, you'll tell us um, your answer, then Sean will hear yours. So the question is, how many games did Rovers play in all competitions last season? Let's say 54. That is correct. Now, is that correct? Huh? Yeah, you've got it. 54 we played last season. So, Graeme, you're going to go first. So, out of curiosity, what, Sean, what, Sean, what would you have said, Sean? I was going to say 53. <laughs> well, oh, Graeme, very, good, very good guess there, Berkey. So, you get to go first. Uh, so, the question is, who is the all-time top scorer for the German national team? Um, Gerd Muller, is it? Gerd Muller, Gerd Muller, is it? Something like that. Oh, so we're going to go over to Sean now. Oh, I can picture him enough. Um, I can't remember his name. I'll just say, um, he's a German striker. <laughs> say, Schwein, Schwein, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, I think he's a centre midfielder. Um, it's incorrect. It's Miroslav Klose. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, he's got yeah. No. Um, but Sean, chance to make it 1-0. Which player was known as the Divine Ponytail? What? Oh, I don't know. Um, Edgar Davids. <laughs> no, so it's over to Graeme. The Divine Ponytail. Yeah. Four seconds. I don't know. I can't think of anybody with ponytails. I'll just go Holland or something. Um, no, it's um Roberto Baggio for Italy. Right. These are hard questions now. That's before my <laughs> point. Well, really they're they're going to have to be hard, Graham. Um, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> And um, this is for you, Berkey. Name three members of the Beatles. So first names will be accepted. So just name three. Paul McCartney. Um, John Lennon, is it? Yep. Um, Ringo Starr. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yep, so that's correct. So next one for Sean. Volcanoes, much like the one we saw in Iceland recently, can be described in one of three wave ways. Active, extinct, or... Dormant. That is correct. One, one. Well done, Sean. Well done. <laughs> um, now, next one for Graeme. 
So, Graeme, you scored the 500 goal of Stephen Bradley's reign. Who was Rovers' manager before Stephen? Rovers' manager before Stephen? Yep. So, who did Stephen Bradley take over? Permanent manager. I just like intern for a couple of days. Actual permanent. No, permanent, man- uh, permanent manager. Um, Three seconds. The Pat Fenlon, is it? Correct. Good guess there. Yep, it was Pat Fenlon. So, next one for Sean. Name the last team to keep a clean sheet against Rovers at Tallaght in a league game. Um, I have to know that thing is a what? You just have to name the team, Sean. Uh, Drada. No, so it's over to Graham now. The last team to keep a clean sheet. Yeah, in a league, in league. game though. So. In a league game. Yeah, so it can't be Ferencvaros who kept a clean sheet a few weeks back. Kept a clean sheet. Oh, do 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 do. Well, I don't think it's. Sligo, don't think it's Trotter, don't think it's Derry, don't think it's both. Don't need an answer, Graham. Uh, clean sheet, I'm gonna go. Shelt, no, no, it is um, Sligo. Um, I very long ago, I think, um, I can't remember when they kept that clean sheet, yeah. so 2021, May 2021, Janie. And yeah. um, quite long ago then. Um, next question is for Graham. Who is the author of the Harry Potter series? Oh, I know that. Oh, what's the name? Oh, I know Sean's going to know that too. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh. What the fuck? Not the car oh, time I know there. It. Oh, I know it. Okay, <laughs> over to you, Sean. Oh, uh, I know who it is. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Yep, J.K. Rowling is correct. <laughs> That's two, two up. Lovely. Nucky Graham. Sean, chance to make it 3-2. What is yep. the most downloaded app in the world? Oh. Uh, I'm going to say... Instagram. That is incorrect. It's over to you now, Graham. Chance to steal. Gotta be social media, I'd say. Most downloaded app. She's going Instagram, I'm going Twitter. That is incorrect. It's TikTok. TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I should have known <laughs> um, Next one for you, Graham. We've lost four league games this season. Which team has the second fewest losses with five? Second fewest losses with five. Yeah, in the league. Oh. I think it's between two. I'm going to. It's either. I think it's either Shells at 30. Um, five. I'll go with Shells. That is correct. It is yeah. Shelburne. Good guess. Mm. That's not a guess. That was calculated. I knew sorry, they had sorry. it. <laughs> <Very> calculated, <laughs> they had no it. Calculated, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This one is for you now, Sean. Which League of Ireland team have the best defensive record with only 18 goals conceded? I'm going to say, um, is it Derry? That is incorrect. Back over to you, Graham. Shelburne. That is correct. <laughs> um, two Shelburne questions in a row. So, um, Graham, you have another question here. Geography. And he can win with this because he's 4-2 up. Chance to make oh, it 5-2 and win yeah. it. Geography-related question. Oh, what is yeah. the capital Jordan. city of New Zealand? Is it Auckland? No. Sorry, that's incorrect. So it's over to you, Sean. Chance Don't to get one back. No. <laughs> um. Nah, I actually don't know. I don't know. I think I do know it. I think I do know it now. Is that time, Prof? No, uh, he still has a bit of time left. Have you given up, Sean? Yeah, I've given up, yeah. Okay. The answer. Can I answer is, it now? Um, no, it doesn't count as a point. Is it's it Wellington. Uh, Wellington. Yeah. How are you? Is did you know that, Graham? Yeah, well, I knew it after I said <laughs> I'm just going around them. Yeah, I know that one. After you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, chance to get a point back here. The giraffe is the tallest animal in the world. What is the second tallest? That is correct. It is ah, elephant. Oh, he's got it. Back in uh, there, four three. Yeah. Um, Graham, you have another chance to win it here. So, okay. Athletic Bilbao hail from what country within Spain? Athletic Bilbao. Yeah. Which city in Spain? No, they hail from what country within Spain? Let the Cobb I gonna go Madrid. It's the actual city Bilbao, it's not a Bilbao city. Um no. Well we'll see if no. Sean knows it. So, um, last time. Give it a shot. Catalonia. No, it's the Basque Country. Ah <laughs> Thought he's with a god there now. There you go. Surprise me. Uh, <laughs> um, you have a chance here to make a four all, I think, Sean. Um, which former Manchester United player has the most assists in Premier League history? I has that. Former Manchester United player. Do you know it, What? Sorry? Oh, no. Um, jeez, I don't know. Oh, I'm uh, actually to think of who that could be. Yeah. Uh, David Beckham. That is incorrect. So it's over to you, Graham. Chance to steal. It's just, I ain't It's not the answer, but I'm torn between, you know, Wayne Rooney or Paul Scholes and then maybe Dennis Irwin. Oh, 
ไปพี่เทมพันเลกาออชินออเมริกาการ์กอนเกิลฟอร์เดนิสเซอร์บันนะ I'm sorry that is incorrect it is uh, Ryan Giggs former Man United player so um you have your you have another question here Graham um Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook Inc goes by what name nowadays Sorry Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook Inc goes by what name nowadays Facebook Inc what's your name by as in Facebook Incorporated their organization what's what are they now called Oh is it called Meta That is correct yeah. There it is Well done Graham you're into Graham the quarterfinals now Yes. Questions explained to him. I think that's a bit of a joke. Unlucky Sean now. Harry, you got a good future, Eddie, in the old media game. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> You're not the well first done. person to say that, Sean. <laughs> um, well done, Berkey. Unlucky Sean. So, Graham, um, you're the fourth person. You're the fourth person into the quarterfinals, along right. with Gary O'Neill, Lee Grace, and Marcus Poom, who knocked out the reigning champion Pico. Pico. So, wow. yeah, it's going to be right. a new champion this year. Lovely. And um, but yeah, congratulations, Berkey. Unlucky Sean, you did well to get here anyway. Yes. <laughs> <Thanks, buddy. laughs> <laughs> um, uh, right, I'm I'm done listening to this. I'm going with McDowell. <laughs> How could you not know who the divine ponytail is? Do you know what? Borgie's not that far off of our vintage either. Like we're we're mid thirties. Borgie's Borgie's like twenty late twenties. He should know fucking Roberto Baggio. And when I put that question in, I I just I had a bad feeling they won't they wouldn't get it, and I was disgusted. I really was. That's a it's a gimme. That's uh, that that really was. Um. I, I genuinely thought to myself, "Ah, prop, that's an easy one." <laughs> I go. couldn't believe it. Genuinely, you're calling um, the Berkey a bit of a dark horse, eh? He is got the street smarts, and he has transitioned them, the Sean McDermott street smarts, put them into the quiz. Now he draws out every question. Every question he gets the thirty seconds. You had to give him a couple of little nudges. He's really pushing those time limits. It's like. It's like on the tip of his tongue on the 22nd and my alarm's gone off and he's like, yeah, it's, yeah. And I'm like, say the word. And he even knew the the New Zealand one. That created a moment for me because I was thinking to myself, he bounced it back again. That's the first time that's ever happened where he passed oh, yeah. on it. Sean Hoare passed on it. Or he wanted it back. You wanted it back, but you can't take it back again. You, you, your, thinking, your opportunity is gone. For interest in listening, because I was thinking we could introduce this. We could make it even more, more uh, riveting if we introduce a bounce back. A bounce back, yeah. One bounce back per um per, per quiz, maybe. Yeah, so that's Borky True, Prof. Um, dark horse, absolutely. You might get. I think you're looking at semis or a final there. Possibly so. Yeah, I was saying a minute ago that. He's never really had a crack at the quiz because um, when he did in 2018, he went off to Preston. 
Um, that's when we started doing the the knockout round stuff. So kind of we never really seen Berkey in the quiz. So he could be yeah, he could be a dark horse, right? I'm thinking maybe semis. I, I was listening to the quiz uh, with Moya today as well, and Moya was like, "Is that my friend Harry?" <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's Harry. That's their little mob that they're down the front. She's like, he's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Moya and Harry are buds. So from Harry again, he he, you know what? He's very cute for his age. Like he's he knows how to control them. Like he doesn't give them an inch. I know. Did you hear Sean after was like, you've a great future in the media game, Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely does. Yeah. Um. Yes, so that's the quiz. Anyway, prop, we're going to talk about Talk Apart. We drew one off against Shells at Talca. And the build-up, uh, it looks a lot worse than what it is. Brad's are downplayed fears around Jack's knee brace. So it's all protective measures. Good news coming from the specialists in the UK. Jack could be back before. We know it. Um, a couple of talking points on this one, Prof. Talk about post-game, actually. Uh, we'll talk about this after we discuss the game. We'll discuss whether or not we think that the break is a good thing. We think it's a good talking point. Um, not after conceding the ninety-four minute. You guys, I don't think. Yeah, but we might as well discuss it now. Is the break a thing or a bad thing, or would you rather get going and keep playing and try and build momentum, or do you think that the stop-start nature of the current schedule is working against us? First as in, we're not. Get- it's a gap yeah, we it's a gap we can fill, <laughs> so we're not we're not getting any sort of seeing the gap week of failure has. No, we need games because we needed to build on so. park, and yeah. that would have been a huge three points. That would have been we were two minutes away from being six points clear. I know Derry can win their games, and that they beat Rahada on the Sunday and all that, um, and they can they can close it now, but. <sighs> I think no, no. I would have much preferred games. And yeah, the fact I think two home games in a row does comfort me. I like the idea of not having a gap as well because I think there's other ways of looking at it. You, we could come back in two weeks' time, Clark, Ferruja, and Bourne, and Gaffney without any knocks or having to come off in sixty minutes. Hmm. And we could just start steamrolling, or we could play. Let's say we did play this week. We could possibly falter again, so it's it's a good talking point. It's all opinions, really, though, isn't it? We'll Nothing see is how, right or wrong. It's all opinions. We'll see how soon Perugia, Clark, Jack actually come in. The break for that reason, the break is a good thing. It's allowing our injured players more time. Um, whether they'll all come back in in the next two three weeks, he might he might ease them in for the title running. Although this basically is a title running now, but. Maybe the last kind of five, six games. But, um, yeah, Gar, there was still a few tickets left over at the end, weren't there? But still 1,000 strong, wasn't it? Just about 1,100 hoops in Tucker Park. Big contingent. I couldn't get in anyway. I, I was about 20 minutes late. Um, I was struggling in work. So I said, fuck it, straight into the car, back over, and just nabbed a couple of the children. Straight over, missed the first 20 minutes. Couldn't get into the stand, put it that way. Yeah, it was definitely was absolutely, absolutely heaving, and I was uh, it was similar to Richmond Park with the pillar, but with the yellow gate. So I I was playing dodgums with the with the gate. You know the way sometimes that pillar gets in your way in Richmond and you can't see a thing. Yeah, yeah. 
I hadn't uh, got a Brennan chasing me that time. Poor Missy wasn't so lucky, Gary didn't get in. <laughs> no, no, I'm not even going to get out on that road. I don't <laughs> even know. You're walking by and... Yeah, so poor Mitzi was like Newton underneath the tree, just waiting for the apple to fall. It was... <laughs> I think if you know Mitzi, you wouldn't be surprised, but I think he might have got in anyway, but he was safe and sound anyway. Yeah. We were chatting to him after it. As for, as for Ozzy Nager, uh, rolled his ankle in the celebrations. Oh, he took a bad one. He took a bad one. The ankle was a big one, though. Um, as you do, when you celebrate, it gets boisterous. And he, uh, he took a sore one, all right. But we'll move quickly he, on he to the gave game. Out the, they couldn't even give him a win to go home with the hobble yeah, home yeah. With to, uh, back to Tata. Uh, we also had the Turkish Simon Cowell was there for, for Shelburne. So, so he was checking shy. out. He was checking things out. Some points there as well. How much is he going to invest into Shells? Is he going to be there for the long run? My, my thoughts on it? I think he might. I don't think he's there for the long run. I don't think he's going to be there for as long as like the likes of the dairy owner. And I, I, I think it's going to come to an end fairly quick. But in fairness, is, we'll talk about the game. Might as well get on to the game. That's for a different day. But... Um, Boom. Chances for our first of all, looking good. One of our better first halves in football in a long time. Well, I think this is our best performance in two months. They were on it. They were up for it. Watts was pinging balls around. Um, yeah, so um, Watts, Watts was well up for this. And I like the fact that we used up our set pieces. Set pieces. We took a short one. It was nice and quick, and and then ultimately led to a goal. Tap in from film. Um, I think you were saying this was the the Bradabick short corner, wasn't it? The their style. And I, I, I'd like to think that kick and get different things from your opponents if they are better on the day, and if you feel that something can help your team get better, whether it be a little thing or a small thing or a big thing, I think that's growing as a manager. I think it's growing as a team as well. So if something works against you. And I believe this is our first set piece goal or at least first corner goal in months. Um Grace three two against Pats. So it'd so been a I while. I said I said Pico Shells. Pico Shells. I think that was before Pats I'm open the correction that. Um, anyway. But no, I like this goal, and we were only we we're all giving out about Poom playing left wing back. It was we were like, no, that's a terrible call. Would he actually give us the lead here? And yeah. first half, we were very comfortable. We were very dominant. And I think I said to you, I said yes. I our swagger is back here. I haven't seen this in a while. Yeah, that's exactly the word you use. The swagger was back, and it was. And um, we went into the. Over done and dusted, and I just thought, lovely. If we can maintain this now, because going to goal up in Tolka Park with twenty minutes gone is it's unheard of, really. And I really, really thought that we could have saw it out. We'll talk about the second half. Well, we always, um, you know what you know what Shelburne, you need the second goal against them. Yeah, yeah. They'll come back in the second half. Second half as well. When we when we came on, we didn't make a sub for a while, but we had a couple of chances where. Personally, I don't think you, you you should be hitting the target. Like Watts had a pretty much a one on one. I think it was maybe twenty yards out. Was that where you shot took, over? I, yeah, I might took a bubble, but though we had a couple of those chances where you just need to hit the target. Like the shooting boots weren't on. 
Yeah, there was Gaffney forced a, a save from Kearns, um, who he spilled it initially, and then the follow up. But Nugent had he a did shot. Did very well. Gaffney did very well initially there. He was yeah, brilliant. Nugent had a chance away where he shot wide, but fifteen shots off target is city stuff really. Um, actually, Bowles on the same night had twenty two off target and none on. But oh, I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Fifteen for us though told the story. Um, like you say, didn't have our shooting boots on. Um, so we had a lot of chances to get that second goal. Shelburne, you could argue they did they deserve the point based on the second half performance. They were decent. Their uh, number sixteen from Hull was was oh, uh, very good, wasn't he? He he ran them up. Um, it's a much better shell team that we've encountered in the last two games. In the league, uh, they were they played some lovely football, in particular out by Harry Wood on the left hand side. So much so that Finner got a card, and he just wasn't he was getting roasted. And listen, that, that's just how it was. Nudger came on. I thought Nudger did very well. I thought he handled him, but all of the traffic, all of the trouble came from the left hand side with Wood linking mm. up with I think it was Jarvis, and then Coyle as well. Coyle was superb. He was playing like a playmaker. He was setting balls up in the middle of the park and then he was advancing through the middle as well and they were playing little slide balls in and working the wings and whipping balls in and just making it really, really tough for us. I genuinely thought that we would have saw it out. I thought we did enough defending-wise. But, um, um, well, like, when the bar went up, right, and said six minutes, what was your gut feeling? Did you think we were going to we were gonna hold on? I thought on? we'd see it out. I thought we were going to box clever. Thought we were gonna we were gonna see it out because they had, we actually really did. had a sh- we did something stupid at the end, didn't we? We should have held up the ball. Was this Richie Towell? I think Richie Towell at one stage was up in the right hand corner as well. No, I thought the subs were odd. I thought bringing Kenny on for Gaff was an odd one, but I thought Greener was the sub there, and we'll just run it down, you know. Well, everything everything good went through Gaffney, especially first half. It was. All our good play was going through him. You mentioned Finn's booking there. The ref, uh, David Dunn, not not dangerous, Dave, but he was abysmal. Like we first half, we had six bookings, seven if you include Bradzer. Did he just like lose control of the game? One of the worst performances I've seen in a long time. Um, don't forget that a lot of the regular. Illinois refs were abroad in Europe refing games as well so there's a, probably a reason you haven't seen too much of them um, he just mm. I think he lost control of the game he struggled to get around the pitch and I think ultimately gave away a very very silly free kick which was totally in Pico's favour he was fantastic for the tackle and then it led to a corner the corner itself Mero. Mero for not giving him enough abuse. You could just see Mero's <laughs> head sticking through the fence. I was like, Mero, yeah. you need to, you need to make the tackle there, mate. He's great, great at pointing, though, isn't he? Yeah, he was doing a lot of finger pointing. But when the ball whipped in, I thought to myself, right, this is a terrible time to concede a corner. I think we've got enough in it. But when the ball got whipped in, it was a may. What it was a super ball. But watching the replay, no one should be winning headers in an opposition's box. From four yards out, it was a tap in. It's I, I, I have to say, I do like this is Malloy again. Malloy have been singing his praises for a long time. I thought Mark Coy was excellent as well. So they're starting to build a good team there and they've they've nailed them down to good contracts. 
Um, Malloy shouldn't be winning that header. Actually had a good set-piece routine where they stood together in a line and then they broke. So it, it made it forced our defenders to make a late decision of who they're going to mark. Yeah. Because they were scattered together. Just bamboozled their defence in our midfield and they just lost their man ultimately and an absolute okay. kick in the teeth. Okay, you're talking about not marking and not winning headers, but there was a debate over whether Big Al should have come for this. Now, it's it's a superb ball put in exactly the right place and people are saying, like, no, how can you blame Al for this? But it's two minutes to go, four yards out. Given how protected goalkeepers are, why not just come out and punch it? Exactly. And if you think about how many times has... A prime example was the other night in the Man United game with Onana. You you can literally clothesline someone in the box and get away with it in the last minute. That's exactly mm. what Onana did. And I think if Manus clears out somebody there and just commands his box, it's very, very rare that a, a referee will give a penalty mm. for a goalkeeper clearing out a striker or anybody from an opposition corner. It's very, very rare. I think we should have played that to our advantage. And it, Not- listen, it cost us in the end, but it's one it's fixture now. that Manus has been doing, obviously. He's not been coming out for corners, neither his poles. They haven't been commanding those sort of balls from Do you reckon they've done their homework here? I don't know, but it seems to, one too many times this season we've had a weakness from set pieces. And we've okay. conceded very, very frustrating. And the inevitable half hour wait. But the gates to open and everybody's dissecting the game and having the chats. Um, I think we just didn't box clever enough. We did enough to win the game. We really did. And we can move one fixture on there with Derry winning their game in hand, obviously. But Pat's drawn is a good thing as well. It's another fixture down. We're still four points ahead. But if Derry win their, their game in hand or two. Well, I was more is... encouraged. I'm more encouraged by the last couple of performances. Like I said, I think that's their best performance in eight weeks. Um, I'm encouraged 100% by... more encouraged with it. our best performance in the last eight weeks was away to Shelbourne and Talca Park so I'm definitely happy with that mm. uh, obviously the emergence well the return from injury of Bert uh, as we said last week it's going to be huge for us but uh, the greener incident post-match care yeah, so it's been a, a horrific season as regards to abuse you've had the Pico one and Dundalk being racially abused you've had Poor Josh Bradley getting abused in Cork. Twice Greener has been abused now over horrific, horrific things. Um, I, I genuinely, I, I don't know, is it the right thing to say? I just want to get this league over the line and just sock it to every person that has given us abuse for the whole season. It's 100%. horrific, man. This is the worst season in history I can remember for it's, just getting abused like that. It's a mental season. The start we made, the first six games... The blips we've had, and yes, no one has capitalised. Just a bizarre season, and you throw in all these, throw in all these horrible instances of abuse, like three in three weeks, not not three weeks in a row, but you know, three three and three games. A mad mad season. Um, it it really is. It really is one of them shit leagues. <laughs> it's one of those, especially if we win. Yeah, it's a poor league. If we come second then this is the most competitive League of Ireland season in over 10 years. <laughs> Some politicians, aren't we? It's the way we spin it. Yeah, yeah. Um, final notes. 
we had Tommy Cannon versus Adam Manis when the Bob would come back into the crowd and you know sometimes we'd hold on to it the way he's time and all that. But there I want that sports file photo. Is it out there? I haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't checked. Me. Tommy Cannon and Adam Manis. I need that in my life. <laughs> um yeah. What else we got, Gary? We spoke about Cleary. the ref. We spoke about the Dan Cleary ref. was excellent. Man the match, I'd say. Unbelievable. He was brilliant again. I think he's been our best defender for the past couple of games. <clears throat> um Notable mentions. Uh, Kevin's not fond of the old long balls. <laughs> yeah. A couple of times, but we had some some really good covering pace from Pico and, and clearly clear it up. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't mention um, six minutes at a time either. Um, I got like said, when the bar went up and it was six, I got nervous. But, but like, where did six come from? It's a popular thing now, isn't it, for refs to stay in the in the in the mode now? And it's no, I do agree with it. I'll be honest, I do agree with more time being added on, opposed to more fair play in the round time waste and things like that. But it didn't work in our favor. It worked in our favor all last season. Obviously, if you go back to Tala, you had kind of currents with his mysterious eye injury and all that wasting time in Tala, and then here, I mean. Yeah, there was a bit of time wasting the crowd and all that, but um, I don't know about six. Um, like I said, we're not going to really talk about around the league and all that. <clears throat> we'll save that for next week. But uh, tonight, as we record, recording it on Thursday evening here, Derry are playing in Tata against the side from Kazakhstan. Uh, the general manager is Andrei Kancheskis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, yeah, so that's an interesting one, actually. So it was £30 for a ticket, and the club didn't provide any transport, so it was all fan-organised. I find that one very, very strange. Now, considering the, the situation that they're in, is this possibly the longest any team has ever had to travel to play a home game? I think they've outdone us here. Um, Possibly. Uh, Limerick played... Real Madrid at Lansdowne Road, I believe, in 1980. Um, I actually forgot this game was on. Let's be honest. Yeah, I did do. So strange, isn't um, it? I wonder if they covered. I wonder if they took down the twenty. Yeah, there's also uh, last man standing in which I lost life. Gar didn't lose anything. Nothing else to say. No, about no, 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 no. Uh, the AGM. Uh, <laughs> over so, this. What, what are you talking about, Gar? What are you talking about? So Prof got his day in the sun last week. So here's what happened. So the Prof. Fortune favours the brave is what I always say about the last one standing. And um, Prof thought he was the man. He put in that uh, Wexford were 2-0 down to Kerry. At home. <laughs> this is, I, I, I said Thomas Alua done me in last week. I hope he does me a favour this week. And I didn't even check it. It was about 12 o'clock at night when I got home. <laughs> I looked at it. I saw Kerry won 3-2. Wexford won 3-2. And I just at Prof everywhere. Like, oh, I, actually, I, I actually considered deleting that. I was like, he won't have seen this yet. I'll just delete it now. But then I said, <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll make for a bit of crack in the show. So I forgot all about it. But it's, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people that lost lives on Cork. Cork took a... I thought, in fairness, it's a relegation playoff. It's a relegation dogfight there. I thought people were mad to pick Cork, especially uh, uh, Belfield. And considering everything, I think no, that no, was a Cork, model for a draw. Cork were a home. Cork were a home? Yeah. Even worse. That's uh, 
really let me down there. Once I lose a life in Last Man Standing, I lose interest. I'm like, no, because I want to get a streak gone. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I know. I've, I've wasted me 20 quid now. Um, yeah, so anyone else? The AGM notice went out on Friday. So we uh, found out all the new people running for election to the members' board. Anyone, anyone we know, Gar? There's a few familiar faces, all right. It'll be interesting coming towards the time anyway. It's going to be interesting. Um, I feel, as you may know, I have stood forward to run for the members board in Shamrock Rovers and I feel that going forward, I think there's a lot of new, very talented fans that possibly have lost touch with the members and in general. So I think that I can bridge that gap and I I can bring a lot to, to running what's going on at the moment and I think there's a lot of there's been so much good work done and the guys who are there now are fantastic but I think there is room for new blood and I think it's going to be interesting so um, there's a lot of things that we aren't doing and that I think we can go forward and do as well and there's been a lot done but a lot more to do I think that was a quote whose quote was that from? I don't know whose quote that is but I've already selected your mantra and that is a vote for Gary P is a vote for Smoke <laughs> <laughs> Zero votes. <laughs> uh, what we really, really need to talk about is the high quality headshot scare because you like that one. My votes are going purely on the headshots. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll skim the bios. I'll be like, yeah, you wanted your actual ideology and what you want to do for the club, blah 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 blah. But it's about the headshots. Yours Pull is that one out of the bag. Yours is sensational. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. I can't praise enough, Gar. Based on the headshot, the whole, you're you're number one. The whole, you know, legs open <laughs> between my knees. Like I'm in business. Oh, you do indeed. Um, I'm only messing the cars. I did read the bios. No mention of the ice machine, which was very worrying because it's a lot of important issues at the club right now, and the ice machine is the most important, and it got no mention. Uh, we've also had some constructive criticism on the club security outside the ground. Uh, obviously, people have had their say on that. Uh, when you come in through the turnstiles, coming into the east stand and the main stand, the south stand. And uh, uh, this is from an anonymous poster. He says, um, oh, he says, and I quote, the security outside the ground are scaldy freaks. <laughs> this is a quote. <laughs> That's a direct feedback. Quote. Feedback from our from our listeners. So he um, says, yeah, first but, order business, sort out the Scaldi freaks. I think on a serious note though, I think um we have some new blood coming in and wanting to help the club. And that's what it's ultimately all about. It's all about everybody wanted to help the club. Everybody has the same goal in mind. That's what you have to remember. Everybody has the betterment of Shamrock Rovers in mind. That that that's that's what we all have to remember. So I think it'll be interesting. We won't talk too much about it, Prof. We're going to talk about uh, this is today, and this episode is all about Bobby Best. So, before you tee up our Bobby interview, uh, there, Gare, uh, just to say this interview is more about obviously the Milltown Tata story because it's taken from the dec- documentary more than about him personally. Um, if you want to hear about Bobby's uh, journey into photography and into rovers along with George Kelly then we actually did stick up that episode 
on the day that he, he sadly passed away. And the episode was episode 42 from the 1st of March 2018. It was actually the Beast from the East episode where Jeez, you literally East couldn't could not reach Kamage. There was so much snow everywhere. Um, we, had you, we had you on the phone. So if you've not gone back as five years ago, I would encourage you to listen to that one. Um, probably one of our best interviews. But uh, this one is uh, about the the Talis saga and uh, the 22 homeless years. There is a bit about him at the start and he name drops some people and everything. Um, also, just to say, I've not edited out my questions. Um, they're probably too loud to hear. I doubt you'll hear very much of them. This clip was not ever meant to be a podcast. It's a documentary where you only hear Bobby, not the interviewer. So there's going to be a bit of some inaudible stuff there for me, a few seconds here and there between Bobby, but you're here to listen to Bobby, aren't you, not me? So uh, you'll get the gist of my question when he starts talking. Um, so, yeah, uh, Bobby Besker. Bobby, when did you first start going to Shamrock Rovers games? First time. First game I went to was 1957, believe it or not. I was uh, 10 at the time. My parents... My mother and her five brothers were crazy Shamrock Rovers supporters, along with their father James Carroll, and uh, they used to go to. They were from the they were from the Coombe area, Maryland. They lived, so they were regular goers to Milltown. So as I grew up, I, I I grew up with every Sunday the the lads together for their dinner, talking about Rovers and heading off to uh, Milltown because I was in my granny's every Sunday for my dinner, and the lads and, and my granddad be going after the matches. So Rovers was in my blood from me as I was, when I was a child. I never stopped talking about them, you know. So I always wanted to go and see Rovers. And in those days, things were different. My mother used to say, you can't go, the crowds are too big. Which they were, it was 20 odd, 22,000 used to be at Milltown for, for games at that time. And uh, you can go when you're 10. There was a certain age you could do things. Do you understand? Uh, when you were seven, you could go to bed and a half an hour later, and eight, another half an hour later, but everything was ruled by age for children, rules were age. So when I was 10, I was told I could go and see Rovers. And when I was 10, that's when I went. And the first match was St. Pat's Larry to beat us 2-1. Second match we were beaten by Shelburne 2-1 again. Both of them in Milltown, but two teams were in red. Still fell in love with them, I never, I never, never uh, forgot the feeling I got when I walked up the steps into Milltown and saw the pitch, and I saw the pitch, beautiful green, and marked out in beautiful white lines. The first time I ever saw a pitch marked, because there was no television at that time. We had no telly on, or no football on the telly, because we hadn't got a telly. And I, I, any matches that were played here with junior football, pitches weren't marked, no nets even. And uh, that was the first time I saw it. It looked like a, a giant theatre to me. You know, a giant was beautiful to see the group, beautiful green grass and the, the white lines on it and the crowd all around. It was fantastic, fascinating, uh, on-spurring scene, to be honest with you. And as I walked down the steps, you could see clearly that to the right-hand side where the unreserved stand was, there was a rows of children. All the kids were at the front in two rows and all the adults would go up the steps. But there was a special arrangement where all the kids were together down the front parents watching over them from the stand, you know. And then I saw them over to the left when I looked over and saw green and white movement, fellas with green and white jerseys coming out onto the pitch. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Seeing Mickey Burke, Tommy Hamilton, Ronnie Nolan, 
Paddy Ambrose, all walking out. I couldn't believe it. It was like seeing superstars, like the top actors in Hollywood to me. They, that's what they were at the time. They were absolute stars, you know. And when, when eventually uh, they played against Manchester United in the, in, the, in the European Cup, again, I wasn't let go because it was in Mount Park. The, mother says, too, the crowds would be too big, you can't go. And I got the money. I was given the money to go to the Cabra Grand Cinema in, on the afternoon. It was a Wednesday afternoon instead of going to Rovers. Now, the Cabra Grand Cinema is less than a mile from Daly Mount Park. You could hear the crowd cheering. And every time Manchester United scored, it would come up on the screen. Manchester United won Rovers now. Right, Manchester United 2, Rovers now. So it was worse going to the, to the cinema. Because they used to do a slot. At that time, the, the cinemas had a slide projector with clear glass and the projections would, would put whitewash on it and then scratch into it what the results are. And this happened regularly when Ireland played and big matches in the League of Ireland. If you're in a cinema, you'd get the result coming up on the screen on top of the picture. You know, they wouldn't take the picture down. We'll come on, on top of the picture. Rovers nil, Manchester United 3, you know. And it kept all the notch. It was a waste of time me being there. I couldn't enjoy the film anyhow. And then you could hear the crowd cheering. You knew when the goal went in anyhow. But the the cheers were all for Manchester United. They were all mental for Manchester United at the time. Well, I found that very strange, you know. Some people are able to rattle off Colts Colts from 1 to 11. Can you rattle them off? Oh, Colts Colts. The first team I ever saw playing for hours was Darcy Bourke, Mackey, Nolan Keogh, Hennessy, McCann, Payton, Ambrose, Hamilton and Tui. Cold was just finishing his career at that time and Hamilton was coming into the team. He was with Manchester United. He could have been a Busby Babe, almost was. And he came back to Rovers and he, he, he took over as Cold was retiring. But when Hamilton mightn't be fit enough, Cold played. So I did see Cold playing quite a lot. And how good was he? He was fantastic. He was a great player. Everyone loved him. As soon as he came onto the pitch, you just call him Daddy-o. It's Daddy-o. I often heard him say, Daddy-o, come on, Daddy-o. I don't know if people would remember that, you know. But I remember him, they used to call him Daddy-o. And uh, yeah, he was, he was, he, he was a special. He, he, when he came onto the pitch, he, met, it was a, he was a presence. You knew the, the master was on the pitch, you know. I was really very young at the time, but I knew there was something special when this would come out, you know. It was very special. Uh, another great goalkeeper we had at the time was Christy Gagan. Him and, him and Darcy used to share the, uh, him and Darcy used to share the spot. But as I came around, Christy was going out of the team and he only had sporadic appearances when Darcy mightn't be fit. Uh, same as Cold with Hamilton. And then, and then we got the bad news that uh, Noel Payton was going to Leeds United. It was dreadful to us, you know. Great for him, and, but it was awful to, to hear one of our best players going away, you know. But worse again was to call when Liam Tooley went to Newcastle United. That was a shock. Uh, it was in the Herald on a Monday, all of a sudden, Liam Tooley. On the back of the Herald, Liam Tooley signed by Newcastle United. My mother went mental. My mother said it to me. I was sitting at the table having me tea. Liam Tooley's going to Newcastle, she said. What the hell is he thinking? <laughs> I was like, I said, what do you mean? He's letting us down. So he's not, ma'am. It's, 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 it's his profession now. It's, this is progress for him, you know. And uh, I was trying to she, oh, you see, you leave Tooley. She was doing her no because Liam Tooley was leaving us. And th at that time, I was realising, well, this is a great step for him, you know. And he did very well with Newcastle. He was a regular on the first team. Going to um, the day that the news was announced that Milltown would be closed, 
1987. Do you remember where you I, were and you were reacting? I was at home again, reading the paper when I got it, yeah. Uh, I didn't think it would happen. When I saw that, I thought, that, that's not going to happen. That can't happen, you know, it was a milk town. But the more and more that, that, it, that it went on and on, this news, and there didn't seem to be any progress to the on, to stopping it at the time, except for the, the Cram, when Cram eventually started. Cram was, was founded, I think, by Jerry Mackey. Jerry Mackey had a big input into Cram. Anyhow, at the time, he was, you know, he played centre half. He played full back for overs. But he had a big say in this. And when Cram started, we really felt, yeah, we will stop this, you know. But people were saying the brown envelopes are at work here. That type of stuff was going on, and you won't stop them once the once once these big guys get a hold of the ground. There's no they always get their way, you know. Uh, we fought it and fought it and fought it for years, and uh, it was futile as we know now know. In the end, there was just no stopping them, you know. They, were you taking photographs at this stage? No, I took photographs uh, in uh, 1969. I went taking photographs for Liam Toohey. And I photographed the team that then for in the cup final against Corks when we won 4 1 the replay. Uh, I, I, I missed the terraces and the, my friends and the crack and having the flag and all on the terraces. So I went back on the terraces for that reason. I just missed it, you know. The, it wasn't, it, it was better for me, I was young at the time, I was only 21 at that time, so I, I, I was missing the crack with the lands on the thing, so on the terraces, so I went back on the terraces. And then in, in 96, uh, talking to Pat Bourne, he asked me to go out, doing, doing the photography for hours again, that they, they, they needed to have a, photo a photographer with them because they would need photographs on trips as well. So I travelled on the bus with the players then for about 10 or 12 years. Well, he was manager, Mick Bourne was manager, and uh, Damien Richardson, Mick, uh, Liam Buckley, and then Roddy. I travelled on all those when they were managing. But uh, after that, I went back on the terrace. I started bringing the lads out in the car then, young Brendan Dawson. You know, you know Brendan, do you? Gigs he hand and them. And uh, we were having great crack in the car. So I went back to driving then, you know, going over. Because they were only young fellas, and it was start, they lived close to me. Ben and Lawson lived next door. I used to bring them out. I meant him and his brother Kevin. So we were having a great crack. And I brought I used to bring them to the country then. It was I was I was away for them to get to see rovers in the country. Something I never got to do when I was that age. I eventually did go on a train trip when I was 14 to Sligo uh, with my friend. And uh, it was the first time I ever went to the country to see rovers. And the first team was in the fr front of the train. It was fantastic seeing them all sitting in the front of the train that we were getting on. That was like fantastic for us to see be on the same train that the, that Rovers was on, you know, that fantastic team, the players, and we felt really honoured. Just they're out all down the front, you know, and we, unfortunately we lost that match in Sligo as well. They beat us two one. It was the first round of a cup. You said you started uh, doing the photography again in '96. That's when yeah. the the Tata plans were announced. That's ex that's ex well, what did the site actually look like then, and what were the designs? What did they look like? The site, the site at that time was just a football pitch, like an open football ground, like a corporation, like a corporation park situation, you know, that kind of thing. I think there was two pitches on it, there was certainly one. Uh, it looked nothing. It was beside, as you know, it was beside the school and it was just a football pitch and then the hotel across the road. Uh, the plans were fantastic. Uh, looking at the plans, 
I can't remember the chap's name, but but, but the owner of the club was uh, had to do with computers. Do you would you remember who he was? It was a Premier Group, I think. Premier Computers, that's right, it was, yeah. He, he was a nice enough guy, he owned the club at the time, and uh, the plans were fantastic. Uh, I, I can remember seeing that the, the entrance to the ground, and it had, uh, 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 inside, inside in, in the foyer, there was a big waterfall, and I was saying, I remember saying to Pat, oh, that waterfall be there and everything, oh, that'll all be there. And, uh, but, uh, as things went on, Pat, Pat was then made director of the move to Tala, so, something with regards to coordinating that move. And Mick Bourne took over as manager then. So at, at that time, seemed, things seemed to be going very well. And we, we, we felt this is going to be great when we eventually get here. And it didn't seem to us that it was going to be a long time before we got there, you know. It was only a matter of getting the proper sponsors in. We had the owner, the, the owner of the club, which was that chapter on the, uh, the, the, the computer. He went then and Joe took over. So uh, Joe was great in charge of the, of the club. You know, he had, he, had a, he was a great Rovers fan as well, you know, so that made a great difference. Uh, well, the, the rest is kind of history. We went along, we were going along, along for a long time, hoping that, looking for somebody to actually take over the ground, take over the, and own the ground for us. We already, I know we did get a sponsorship for the bar. Tenants had said they would do the bar for, on a sponsorship deal. So that was sewn up. The only thing that, that was sewn up, we could never really get a firm owner to take over the running of the club that, the, for the amount of money it was going to take. Uh, I believe I believe that Brendan O'Carroll was mentioned at one time that he was, he was supposed to be interested. So that's how comical it started to get, you know? One of the first objections was from, from old Bond, the photograph there of the day we, we won the case against him. Can you talk about that? Thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 went, we had a lengthy time going to court. There was a lot, quite a lot of court appearances because uh, we first had to lodge uh, uh, an appeal to appeal. You know, we had to be given permission to appeal first. That was, that was, that was given. Uh, and uh, then... We went to the, uh, finally we arrived at the, the final day when the judge was going to say yay or nay to the, to the permission that, that this, uh, the, the, this teacher had a right to uh, intervene, whatever the, the logistics of the war. Uh, and the judge was going to, re, to uh, decide on this day and it was fantastic. And he gave it straight from the war, when he started talking about it, you could see he was going our way. He was saying how ridiculous the whole thing was, and this was for the good. He was main, talking about how it was good, good for the community, that it was going to be a good thing rather than something that should be objected to, you know, and, and the, the, the strive should be to bring it rather than go against it, you know. So we could see that he, he summed it up for about a half an hour before he finally said that, that he was going to uh, uh, turn down any objections to us going into the stadium, and it was fantastic. There was, a, there was about 25 hours. Uh, fans in the in the courtroom, um, jumping for joy, jumping for joy all the time. It's great. Come outside, got a few photographs of Andy and Paul. They, this uh, this go this teacher in the school had at one side one time stated that he would fight us all the way until he was the last man standing. You know, and Paul Conroy had a sign with him in the court, last man standing. And he, when we came out of the court, he put up last man standing. Who's the last man? Standing, it was brilliant. It was in there, it was on the front of the page uh, of the Herald that night, a photograph of the group. 
outside the court. And you were there the day of the turning of the sod as well? I was, yeah, yeah. It was great. Uh, another crowd, big crowd of Rovers fans there. Uh, strange, uh, it was it was be a brilliant feeling to be there and to see the actual spot marked out with a green ribbon where they were going to cut the sod. Uh, and the, the crowd of Rovers supporters that gathered all around it, there was a barrier around it and a big crowd of Rovers supporters. <laughs> Illuminating the site, we'll never forget Damien Richardson's suit. He's a beautiful suit. It was like a three-quarter length jacket in, in a, a blue, uh, you know, that shiny material. He looked lovely in it. He looked, he looked like... Wyatt Earp or something now ruined those things. Those are jackets they used to wear. And kind of like, but uh, Bertie came along and uh, did a deal, as it were, along with some great people. Uh, John, uh, the, 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 what was John's? John Breen uh, was there along with uh, Dwight was there. Um, Tony McGuire, who was the chairman of the club, was there at the time. Uh, it, it was it was great. It was a great day, you know. And coming out of it, there was there was there was protesters at the gate from the with the teacher. The teacher had this protesters all there. We were doing the, the usual, doing the photography and that, and all of that was over and done with. And we were leaving the ground then. And as we drove out, some of the protesters were wearing balaclavas. So I don't know if that was just a didn't want their face in the paper or if there was something more behind it, to be honest, you know. Mm. But there was a few of them wearing balaclavas. When we, when we ask people about sanitary, they all have, they only have negative memories. Really. Yeah. You could tell by the crowds, they were very sparse. Ah, oh, shocking, yeah. Uh, it, it was very sparse. It, it was uh, too open. The pitch was too far from the crowd. It was like the running track around. It didn't suit. Uh, the stand was very small. The terraces were bare because there wasn't any people coming. Uh, there was little or no atmosphere there. It was it was dreadful from a Shamrock Rovers point of view. It wasn't like it wasn't like anything like the atmosphere that we were getting in Tonka Park. You know, you know, it was just drowsy, dread. Going wasn't exciting anymore. You know, it wasn't as exciting. Like even when we were in Tonka Park, and even Dalymount and Richmond Park, just the excitement was there. You would see Rovers come out on the pitch. You still got the lump in your throat. Do you know what I mean? I always get that. Still do from the first day I saw Rovers when they come out onto the pitch. Now I still feel the feeling that I felt when I was ten years of age. This is Rovers coming out. You know, it's a great feeling that, and uh, that was le- that was less. You know, because did the players didn't look comfortable about it either. You know, nobody was comfortable out there, even though it was close to me. I still didn't want Rovers playing there. You know, I wanted the day when. I was going to have to travel down the M50 to, to see Rovers playing. That's, that's what I was waiting for, you know. We um, talked to uh, Tony O'Dowd. I think he said that Robbie Horgan and maybe one or two other players actually fell over the advertisements a couple of times. Do you, yeah. Do you remember that? I, I, I can't remember, but, but I can well believe it, you know. Although I remember one great day when, when Shawnee Francis scored a goal for us. I think it was against Cork. It was a big, big goal and he, and he ran over to the one two three, the Athletics... Uh, you know, the athletic stand that he had for the first, second and third. He stood on the, he stood on the number one. It was a great show. We've got a great picture of him doing that. But other than that, no. We, we had, uh, we, we, we had uh, a great win against Shells. Shells were a very good side at the time. And we, could, we were having trouble beating them. You know, we were having trouble. Despite the fact that we had some of the best players in the league playing for Rovers, probably the best players, we still could not compete with Shelbourne and Bohemians and Pats of the, of the day. 
simply because you hadn't got your own home. Having your own home was everything. Being, being a wanderer affected everybody. I mean, Paddy McCourt, the best player we, we've had in, in quite a long time. Uh, there was Tony Cousins. Uh, all, all those top players that we had playing for Palmer and that, they were the best players at the time in the league. And we still couldn't have success. Rutherford, we got Chris Rutherford, sorry, Chris Rutherford played for Shell. He was a great winger, you know, he was the best of players that, that were in the league, played for Rovers as well. We made sure that we got the best of players if, if they were shown. For example, Tony Grant in Glenavon, when, 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 when we played up there, Richardson brought us up there a, a couple of times for, for a few days to play in, in, in the north of world. And Tony Grant, we, we spotted Tony Grant, wanted him, you know, and uh, came back. Jack Wilson looked after that from, from, from where I was given. Do you remember uh, the incident with Tony Grant and the pig's head? I do. I was beside the pig's head when I came on the pitch. Uh, it came right on about 10 yards from me to my right. The ball was thrown, the pig was thrown over the, over the wire. It went about two feet onto the pitch. One of the Bohemians players pre pretended the fullback, I can't think who he was now, pretended that it hit him. He was saying to the referee, he was making the say that it hit him. It was nowhere near him. It was only two feet onto the pitch. And he was up knowing it, but he tried to make out for a while that it hit him, you know. I was screaming at the referee, nowhere near him, nowhere near him, you know. But uh, security just came over and took it away, you know. Uh, they got it in in a drum, apparently. <laughs> they hid it in the, the drum that you brought in. We had a couple of photographs taken in 2001, 2002 in front of the, the shell of Tana Stadium. Uh, the players were training there. Yeah. So do you remember taking the photograph and, and how things just didn't seem to be moving with the, the ground? Yeah, well, the, the thing about it was we did the photograph. The first, the first uh, squad shot was done there. I think it was 2001. Uh, or 2002, Buckley was the manager, and uh, at that time, Joe, Joe was still the, the Joe Cobble was still the chairman, and we did it against the background of a shell of a sta of the, uh, the the terraces were in, but it was just the stanchions for the, the roof of the stand, and the bare the the, the the players' entrance was bare, you know, just bare concrete. And we did the photograph there, but it was great to do it. We thought, well, this is our, well, when you get that done, this is really our stadium now, you know. But the next year, we done the photograph there again, and there was nothing changed. It was the very same as the year previous. This, now, we had, at that time, Tony McGuire was the chairman, and Jack had been elected president, made president. Uh, that was bestowed on him uh, the day we unfortunately lost the cup final to Derry. And uh, so Jack was in that photograph along with uh, Tony. McGuire, yeah, and, and, and Liam Buckley, of course, but uh, nothing had changed apart from that. They were the only changes and one or two of the players, but the ground was still the same, exactly the same. It was getting a bit despondent now, we thought, you know, this is not looking great, you know. And then there was a period of about four years where there was no building work done, yeah. so it had exactly, yeah. an eyesore. In yeah, yeah. In, in fact, the garage right opposite the stadium at the square end, there's a garage right opposite. And that changed its name to the stadium, the stadium garage it was called, for a year. I took a photograph, I have the photograph of it. It's not called that now. They took that down quick enough when they saw how bad the name the stadium started to get, you know, and that changed. It's not called the stadium garage anymore. Yeah. So they, they, that was people horning in on the good luck of rovers coming to Tallaght. They thought it was a good move. We call our garage the stadium garage. Maybe a, 
it kind of associated with the stadium, but they took it down quick enough. Can hmm? you talk about the famous uh, meeting at the plaza, the very heated meeting about the, the GAA? Yeah, there was uh, there was there was talks of uh, there was talks between our board and the GAA with regards to the GAA coming on board to share use of the new stadium. They felt the GAA felt that they would have a strong input to getting permission passed to get to get us onto the stadium to get it, get us in the stadium, and they were looking as a right because it was a, a council ground now. As the council had taken over the site, and they felt that they had a right to uh, use it as much as Shamrock Rovers had. Uh, Rovers, of course, were, were against this, but there was a meeting apparently organised with the GAA at that air board met with, and our fans made it clear that they were not going to have, have this, under any circumstances, tolerate the GAA coming in. As you said, there's no fear or manah going on our toilets, you know, and... So the plan, they organised, they told the, the board they would need a meeting to discuss this with the fans. The fans were insisting on it. The fans met, the, the fans were outside our, board, our board's meeting. It was on, on, on the Tala bypass. I can't think of, think of the name of the factory the board used to meet in. But uh, as they were driving into their board meeting during that week, the fans were all there with their no GAA posters, no, pushed them in front of Tony's car and all the cars going in, no GAA. So they called a meeting of all the fans in the plaza and to talk about hostility, you know, the, the vehemence that was coming from the floor was unbelievable. Tony, Tony had his phone in front of him, like there in front of him. And I think he had it, he was looking at it all the time, and I think he had it set to press the button if he needed the guards. That's my opinion. Because it was getting so bad. The, there's the, the vehemence coming from the floor and eventually the fans all said that's it we're not having the end of story they're not going I got involved myself that night <laughs> and threw my camera in the air <laughs> so I went like that there was a picture in the echo of me doing that but uh, that's what ha and it was thrown out there then they, they, it was not we were not tolerating any input from the GAA under any circumstances in fairness, in fairness to the minister at the time he said this ground was for Shamrock Rovers, and I, I, I'm not going to uh, interfere with that. He said, if GAA come in, the government's going to withdraw their, their support. So that was that. In fairness, in fairness to the minister, he stuck by his word, you know. We that we, we won the car case against Thomas Davis. Yeah, that was the day, that was that was the great day in court. Uh, uh, they were they they had they had held up the planning for. Not a hell of a, a long time, you know, and uh, we went along to the court again, and the usual thing. But the judge again said said that that they they had they had no real case against the government. The government was deciding whether whether it, whether it was a rover's ground or whose ground it would be, and that's that was that was final. I mean, it was it was a ridiculous argument. It was never an argument in, there for them, but. Uh, well, there was no argument for them, no argument for, 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 for the teacher either. It still took a long, long time to get them out of the way. They were still in the way. There was still an obstruction until we, because the court process, the legal process was taking so long. And this is, what's caused, this is what caused the delay on the development of the stadium. We put two million into that. Shamrock Rovers themselves put two million into that stadium. That's never got back. You know what I mean? So we have a right on it too. In my, in my mind, we have a right. 
on the stadium with regards to uh, ownership too, but I don't think it matters. It's a South County Dublin. South Dublin County Council took the, took the, the lease back from us. Uh, but after but, but while they did complete the stadium, we had two million in it before they did that, you know? Didn't you have your own shop for a long time where you used to sell tickets to fans? For yeah. I was a, I had a, I was a Northside shopping centre. I had a studio, a photography studios there. And uh, we when things started to brighten up, we used to uh, sell tickets for all the games, you know. I'd get tickets from the club. For all the Northside supporters would come up to me down for the tickets, you know. So uh, that, that, was, that, was, that was a good thing. Uh, it brought people up to the studio as well. It was a help to both of us, you know. Uh, yeah, there was quite a lot of supporters in Coolock and Donamead area and Fingless in Carbra. Quite a lot of Rover supporters there. Uh, you see, people don't understand it. I'm from Cabra originally, and people don't understand it. And they say, well, you support Rover, you should be a bold man. But my parents, everybody in Cabra came from town. They came from the far side of the city. That Cabra and Fingers were developed from people from the inner city, you know? And that's where my parents came from. So that was, that, we were in Cabra, but we were really Southsiders when it comes to Shamrock Rover's support, you know? What do you think was the lowest point of the 22 year journey? The lowest point. Well, my opinion, my opinion, was the fans outside in Talca Park when we were playing against. What was the name? I think they were a Greek team in the European Cup. Dermot Keely was the manager, and Dermot Keely couldn't hear. The players couldn't hear what Dermot Keely was saying to them at halftime. We were losing one 0 Apoel, I think it was, was it? Apoel, you could see it. And the, play- the fans outside were jeering and creating such a racket. The players couldn't hear what, what Keely was trying to say. The second and probably worst scenario was at a meeting in the plaza, which was called by the new, the new board of uh, the 400 Club as an informative meeting. And the meeting was told that the players were not going to turn up the following ma- the weekend's match against Bowes on account of lack of money being paid. They hadn't been paid. And the, the board at the time, in, in their wisdom, which was their decision, said they weren't going to supply the, 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 any money to pay the players that was needed to keep peace with the players. And that the, the, the meeting was a pretty contentious some degree and after the meeting was over it was great to see but pretty low too men were queuing up to go up to the board and throw 50s and 10s and 20s on the table to help pay the players Rover supporters were all queuing up I was in that queue myself and just to get the players paid you know one thing we didn't want is the players not turning up for a balls match that was low that's very low. Just think where we'd be now. We'd never be left forget it. Never be left forget that. We have our four in a row that we taunt everybody with. We'd have been taunted for some time over that. Did you get some good photographs? Sure. On the magical day that was the opening day of Tallaght. Yeah, yeah. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Uh, the whole day, you know, from around two o'clock in the day in the, ho- in the modern hotel before the game, and then getting over to the ground very early. The t- 
terrific display of, of uh, flags that was put in by the supporters and uh, the whole ground was covered in these beautiful silver, silver, green and white flags. You were there, were you? Not myself, no. up there. Uh, it was at the, the atmosphere was fantastic and uh, the team walking out Shane Robinson was the first captain to walk the team out uh, nice gesture uh, I could see in the stands a lot of old Rovers board members were there invited along which was great to see you know uh, it was great that all everybody was together again and the wonderful feeling of Shamrock Rovers at back was in the air you could feel it you know Unfortunately, it lashed rain for the match. <laughs> it lashed down as it but again. But uh, terrific that uh, we, we won the game 2 1. Twig, uh, Twig scored the first one. And uh, the, the place erupted. The place erupted when the first goal went in. That was in the first half, yeah. And Desi Baker then scored the second one in the second half. And uh, they got a goal back. Late enough in the game, uh, that centre half that, that, that played for us uh, wound up a centre half, what Pete, Peer, Peer, what was his name, Peer, was it? Yeah. yeah, he scored the first away goal in, in, uh, in Tana. Wonderful, wonderful, that was a great day. But uh, another very, very, very special day for me in Tana that I can't forget is the day we beat Bowes 2-1 after being losing 1-0 for most of the game. And Twig scored two goals in the last two minutes to turn the game. It was terrific to get the draw. To lose our first match, to be the first defeat in talent to Bowles, is another team we would never have been left forget. And it was looking that way with two minutes to go. And then Twig equalised. So we thought, that's that saved, you know. Never expecting what happened in the next minute. The header, when you headed in the winner. The scenes are incredible. Couldn't believe it. Just couldn't believe it. That that is my one of my best ever feelings from that from the first season in Tana. We'll never be able to forget if Bowes were the first to beat us there. Do you know who was the first to beat us there? Right. No. We lost the game in the first season there at home. Oh Derry. Yeah. Yeah. Derry was the first team to beat us. Yeah. Mm, Derry were good side, so nothing to be ashamed about either. Yeah. You know? Just gonna jump around the different times now. Uh, the photograph taken of the squad in Stanaway Park in two thousand six. Yeah. Why? Why was it taken there? We had nowhere else to take it. The team was training there. You know, uh, we 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 were on the road. Yeah, we were between Talca Park, Richmond Park, and Damon Park for those years. So in real times, we had nowhere else. We hadn't got us anywhere to take it. The stadium wasn't at our disposal anymore so uh that's why we went there we went there one, one evening at six o'clock mm-hmm. had to bring all the stools out the dressing rooms out the pavilions and do the photographs against the hedge in there you know it wasn't bad actually you know turned out okay mm. some of these photos of uh like the jcb and and the whack is there in the early yeah the next day the sort of the tales and tales of one do you have any memories from taking pictures of those days yeah uh i used to go out Practically every sec, third or fourth day to see the further developments of the ground from day one I got. Day one I took the, took the earth movers coming in and lifting the goals out. There was all goalposts there. Must be from schoolboy or junior football. And uh, when, the, when, the committee, when the board ground to me says, look, we're going to be moving the earth movers on Thursday. I went out. I brought a pitch marker with me. 
I bought a pitch marker and got a photograph of the board with the pitch marker. In other words, the pitch marker was kind of a statement, this is our ground, we're getting it ready to be, to be marked. Little known that was going to take another six years. But it was just for the photograph. But it looked good, you know, we had the pitch marker and the, the earth mover in the background and the board. But it was great seeing the goalposts, these old goalposts getting taken up. And now, it, now it's ours, we, we felt. We felt at the time. Another false dawn at the time. We thought we had it. Uh, but I used to go out regularly then uh, to get the photos of them. If the slightest thing was happening, I was out there to get it. If, when the, when the Staunton's come in for the floodlights, I was waiting at the door to get the shots of the Staunton's going up and all of that. So every single thing, I, I, I have it documented. I think George has some of them too. George did a bit of that at that time. <coughs> but uh, yeah, everything was documented. I uh, brought out young Kevin Dawson. He was about 10 at the time and I got him with a football <laughs> playing around on the pitch you know but all the art movers are there and I says now you can claim you're the first player to play in Tala Stadium <laughs> you know and I brought another the ball by out and I put him in the in the uh, when, the, when the players tunnel was eventually developed I got him to walk out I said you say you can say you're the first to walk out of the Rovers tunnel in Tala you know so it was great feelings and you would do this with the kids and have a great feeling about you that this is eventually our home and we're here now, you know. Uh, yeah, the development was great. It was great to see it. To see the more, the more ground you saw getting dug up, the better you felt. And when you went, I went out one day and I saw all the ground dead level. Dead level. No grass running. Just, and I said to them, wow, that's got to be a sun pitch. You could see it from there. Just all, 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 all clay, but they had made it like a snooker table. And I thought, this is going to be some ground. Really, really. And the feeling was great all the time. Every time you went out, different progress. The lights was a beating when the, when, the, when the floodlights came in and they were lying on the ground to see his size of them. They're huge. You don't look at when they're up. But they're huge on the ground, big things. And to see them say, we're having all floodlights, we're here. This, all, all these things were huge to us. Was this 2008, just before the stadium, or is this the early days? This, this, is, this, is before the, this is just before the stadium was opened. Yeah. yeah. That, when we progressed that far, you know, when we got to that far, every, everything took stages. They had to do various things. I think they put a water tower in or something. That was a big deal at the time. Uh, and all the various stages of the progress of the, of the building of the stadium was an extra plus to everybody. Everyone, we're further there, we're further there. Oh, great, we're nearly there, you know, this is done. And if something was done, if you're ringing people and saying, the lights went up, the lights arrived, you know, and everyone was talking about it. It was all going around, what's happening next? Oh, they're all in, yeah, I heard that. Oh, yeah, the, the offices look great, the offices look great, you know, all this. It was just a great feeling, you know. Couple of uh, memories. Um, you remember the hole in the net at Oriel Park in I know, I remember it well. I was behind that goal actually. Yeah, uh, Derek Tracy. We were we, we it was near on at the time, and Derek Tracy um, scored a smashing goal just outside the box. It was practically I was about four, ten yards from from the net. I actually heard the net ripping. I heard the ping when the when the ball went through the net. And the hole in the side of the net. Referee gave a goal kick. The team went mental on him, you know. 
and uh, Tony Cousins wound up getting booked over it. So I had a photograph of it, and um, Paul Leonard of the Star was at the match, reporter in the Star, and he, he he came to me before the game was over. He said, "Did you get a photograph then?" I said, "I have it, yeah." So I said, "He'll get it to me." So I did, and it was in the Star then. The hole in the net, you could see it clearly that there was a hole in the net, and. The, the the crazy thing about it was when from the kick out they went up and scored and won the game one 0 The doc won the game one 0 within a minute of, of this happening. It was the first time I had a row with Tom. You know Tom? Everyone knows Tom that goes all around the League of Ireland grounds. Oh yeah. Yeah, Tom. He was at it. And he was standing <laughs> he was standing in the opposite area to, of 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 Oriel Park when you're coming out. He says to me, It was never a goal. I nearly I nearly taunted him. <laughs> it was never a goal. <laughs> uh, Give us your memory of uh, the Sherlock helicopter in 1998. Oh, yeah. That was uh, Jason Sherlock. Jer Jason was playing in a final, a uh, Dublin final for Nafina uh, in, uh, I'm not sure where that game was played, but I know he was picked up uh, from St. Vincent's. He was brought to, to Vincent's ground on, on, on the Malahide Road and the arrangement was that uh, he could play in the, Vincent, the, 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 the final for Nafina and Rovers were playing that evening in Finn Park against Finn Harps up in Donegal and the star decided to sponsor a helicopter to take him from the, from after the final of the GAA match to Finn Park and I was asked to go to do the photographs of it, which I did, and uh, the star gave me this uh, sign to put at the helicopter when he was getting into the helicopter to take a photograph. Daily uh, Irish Daily Star, you know, uh, at the helicopter. There was a few other pressmen there. Unfortunately, they lost the final. Uh, Nafina lost their, their cup final, and Jason wasn't in the best humour when we got there. When he arrived, and he says, "Not having any photographs, not having any photographs." And I said, Jason, I want to get a photograph of you. He said, I'll do one for you and that's it. And that's all you do. And he just stood there. He looked back at me like that. And then what? Got got in. Told anyone else to get a photograph. And we, we, I got onto the copter with him then and did photographs as he got off at Finn Park as well. But uh, he wasn't in the best of form. I mean, it was pity. And then we got beaten in Finn Park as well. Not a great deal. And fair, in fairness to the star, they tried their best, you know, giving us the helicopter. It's a bit about your battles with Tony O'Dell trying to get him to look at you for photographs. He wouldn't. No way. I couldn't get it out of him. I just kept saying to him. And he, I just kept saying, Tony, look at Tony. And the more you said it, the more he looked away. And uh, you, you were, it was a losing battle all the time. And then you'd be afraid then they're going to lose some of the other players. You know, you'd get all the players looking ready to say, OK, this is a one, two, three or whatever. And uh, Tony was, and then the players are looking, and then you're losing the players because you're talking to Tony. Some of them are looking around, and, so you just have to go. You just have to go along with it, you know, because you were losing players because they'd be all looking up and looking all over the place. Then, you know, but he wouldn't just wouldn't look at the camera. You know the reason why, don't you? Yeah. Well, the match, well, seeing Twiggy putting the ball in the back of the net, that was the biggest thrill of all. To see the first goal going in, that was huge. I mean, yeah. Unbelievable, here we are, we're, we're in front now, we're after scoring, we're in front, and Twig, the big man, scored it, you know. So that, to me, would have been the highlight of the day, seeing the goal going in. Yeah. The day before, 
day before the match was played, I was in touch with the club with regards to the car park and getting the car in. So members were all given um, car park badges to put in their car. So Marco said to me, drive, come on out, and there'll be one in the office for you, you know. Well, well that's great. I went out about six o'clock, got me car park uh, pass, and went home, and went out to the pub that night in the goblet in Malahoe Drive, where we used to drink on a tourist day. We slept with me two friends, and I had the pass there against the point glass looking at me all night. He says, see that pass? What does that mean? If you have a pass for a football ground, what does that mean? You have your own ground, that's what it means. <laughs> and we pals with the lawyer, they were saying, it's great to see you in such great form, you know. So, so okay. This jersey here, uh, I'm just wondering if many people recognise it. This was actually a Rovers jersey, believe it or not. Not a goalkeeper's jersey, it's a full team wore this jersey. And uh, this was at a time when we were a bit low on resources. Uh, we had drawn St. Francis in the Leinster Senior Cup, I think it was in, and it was on the day of the game that it was suddenly, we suddenly realised that we were the same colour as St. Francis, and we had no second strip. In fact, we were lucky to have a first strip, because the first strip was being held in a, in, in a cleaners because we owed them a bill and the cleaners wouldn't give it out to us because of the bill that was all something like I believe at the time four grand or something was old. So we did trouble we had trouble with getting our own gear let alone the second set. So we got in touch, the club got in touch with Umbro and Umbro had a look through their factory to get any sort of a set of gear for the match. It was that day. So I was told to go out and collect this. So I went out and the only set of gear they had, a full set of, was this one. So they put a Rovers badge on it and numbers on the back. And this one was over, so they gave it to me and says, you can, in case you need that, it was anybody else, there's a spare one. But there wasn't, wasn't any need for it. So this is the only jersey that Rovers wore, one match and one match only. But I think they wore yellow uh, in the 60s in a match against Rapide Vienna. Because I think Rapide Vienna was green and white hoops at the time. And my memory tells me Rovers wore yellow in the away game and uh, I think so. Funny feeling about that. Don't know why I have that feeling, but so there must be something in it, you know. But uh, that's that's it, a one match only jersey. Yeah, prop. Um, absolutely fantastic interview. I think there's onions being cut. It's it's just it's hard to put into words the impact and the memories he's going to leave with all these Rovers fans because he's just you just know who he is. You just know who the guy is. Um, tears. Although I think he was, he was he, as it stands today. His mass was at ten o'clock today, and um, if you want to, I think there's um, he wants you to know, donate to your local football club if, instead of sending flowers or donations. So it's typical of Bobby, always looking at the grassroots football and uh, just looking at the bigger picture. But it was like so, just the, the stories and the stuff. I'd say that took with him that we didn't know you know just fantastic stories especially the jersey the jersey was brilliant Talking oh I love that the euro to the laundrettes yeah. and, and just as anecdotes and every little thing like yeah I love that story um, yeah like uh, I interviewed him a couple of times I'm sure a lot of people listen to this podcast knew him personally and had their own little story with him he was a lovely man 
uh, unbelievably passionate about robbers and he'll be sorely missed um, the funeral. Um, I'm sure it's it's a huge turnout for him, no doubt, uh, which the man deserves from uh, like a lot, all, all hoops were welcome to uh, the mass and then heading off to airfield afterwards. So uh, no doubt he'll have a, a great send off. Yeah, so once again, condolences to all his family, his sons. Um, I, Johan, his son for years in the DMC, um, a great guy, a great guy, and aptly named after uh, Johan Cruyff. So yeah, it just shows Bobby Vest was football crazy. So it's a yeah, it's a very very sad day, but I think a celebration of life is in order here to celebrate such a such a prestigious individual in the Rovers ranks. So, yeah, hopefully they all enjoyed that one, Prof. Yeah, we're going to have quite the immorium on our hands, aren't we, Gar? Um, ah, yes. It's soon now, but uh, one day, we, of course, we will do it. And it, it's, it'll be a tall order to uh, do the man justice. But, yeah, um, we're, we'll save our starting 11 the predictions for next week, Gar. Um, there is... There is obviously a push for the dark game on Friday week. We want to get that. We want to pack the stadium with 7,000. You've got the women's cup match the next day as well, the homecoming of Anya and Abby. So there'll be a push with the affiliate and schoolboy players and everything. So Absolutely. Don't forget you have one. the affiliates is a, a fantastic one. Um, some of Jaden's Jaden signed for St. Francis. So some of his team are going to come down as well. Their coach is going to come down and watch the game. Get every affiliate that you know. Pack the stadium. One adult buys a ticket. The team goes free. Once you have an adult with you, your team goes free. So you can bring 11, 20 kids if you want. Bring the whole squad. Once you have a paying adult, you can get in and bring them along. It's a brilliant initiative trying to fill the stand and get more hoops hooked for life. That's the plan. <clears throat> but uh, I think that is it. I think that is it for this week. That's it, Gert. So that's it. Uh, keep on hoping. See ya. Bobby Best Studios, Northside Shopping Centre, Ireland's leading wedding photographer. Get married with the best. With Bobby Best. Bobby Best's distinctive wedding portraiture gives you a living colour reminder of your happiest day. Bobby Best, Supreme Wedding Albums, Video Production, Studio Portraits, Framing and Copying. Bobby Best, Complete Photography Services, Northside Shopping Centre on the Balcony. Telephone 473-466. Bobby Best!